And now, winging it. Number 37, part 2. First tracks, first albums. Good choices. All right, how about Steely Dan, Do It Again? Oh. Uh, this was a hint of the distinct and unmistakable Steely Dan sound, but it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg, of course. Very strong inaugural number, I think. Uh, wicked electric sitar solo. Uh, when was the last time you saw that, huh? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Try never. Love this one, I think, personally. Good guy. Good going, guys. Good on you. I think it's a great way to open it. I'm trying to, when you say that, because I still have to process, like, what is their sound? Or I'm thinking of their other songs. And, and I'd have to remember the songs that are on that particular right. album, you know. I mean, there are other ones you could maybe have started with first. Yeah. That, uh, that rock a little harder. This one's very mysterious. And beautiful, but... Um, I may... I, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking of their other song. I'm thinking maybe I would have put this as number two. I don't know that it's a bad choice for number one, but I also don't know that it's indicative of that album, what the album's going to sound like. And for some reason, that's kind of what I want. I want you to get... I want to give, and I, if I, when I'm doing it, and I want you to give me a hint of what's coming. Not just like of part of what's coming, but I want you to kind of give me a snapshot with that first song, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. So I'm not sure it did that, but uh, I, it's not a it's not a bad start. I just think there might have been a stronger one. I agree too. Yeah, in the second half of the '70s or so, around that time, a number of groups emerged that seemed to be doing something new, uh, and we're used to it now. But back then, it was really kind of new. And among them was Boston with their introductory single and first album track. More than a feeling. Uh, and that they displayed their uh, flair for vocal and guitar harmonies that were really a hallmark of theirs. And the song still, though, it rocks. It gets to rock enough. And it's uh, it's good pop, and then it gets hard. You know, it's, it's typical Boston. It's uh, brilliant stuff, I think. What do you think? No, I think that's a great way to open that. I think it's very indicative of their sound. I think it definitely sets you up for what you're about to receive. Though, again, you know, they, they have a range. It's not that they're boxing themselves in with it, but it, you know, it really feels like it sets the tone. And it also lets you know this. there's more like this to come, but don't discount what we're about to, to do. We're going to blow your mind in a different way. So I think it's great, and it's an, obviously a great song. It's a fantastic song, and it hints at the hard and truly hard. You know, we, you think about Boston, the first thing you think of is all these harmonies, and they're so sweet and all that stuff. Yeah. It kind of blinds you almost to the fact, or it can, that they rock really hard. They do. I mean, songs like Smokin' and uh, Foreplay. Yep. I mean, Foreplay, I defy you to find anything heavier than that. I mean, Foreplay is one of the heaviest things you'll ever hear. Yeah. Uh, I hate it when people discount bands like this because they're pop, like Foreigner, Boston. You know, that's I'm like, hey, they can rock real hard. <laughs> Don't mess with them. Foreigner? Shit, yeah. I saw Foreigner Hell back yeah. in the day. Yeah, Come on. I saw Boston and Foreigner. Same place, actually. Uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, my God. Uh, brilliant stuff. Absolutely. Foreigner in Boston. Uh, Sammy Hager opened for Boston. What? And uh, Nick Gilder opened for Foreigner. Now the Nick Gilder part, holy shit. Yeah. Come on. And right? the Sammy Hager part, I go, what? Yeah, yeah. Wow. The live album, All Night Long, that's that's what I saw. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. Uh, what I Am. Come on now. I know you love that one, right? Am I, did I make that up too, or do you actually I love that I absolutely one? love this song, and I love Edie Brickell. I love her voice. I love... Well, Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, let's not let's not uh, discount them. They're there. A brilliant song, a great way to open it. Definitely quirky, fun, poppy, 
kind of alternative, folky. It's perfect. It was a great way to open it because that's who she is as an artist. So it's it, great. It totally nails it. I mean, knock, absolute knockout choice of this one. Absolutely. It's slinky. It's smirky. It's arresting. You know, it's, it's you know, winks at you and nudges you and everything. It's really, it's, uh, I think it's, it's a so sexy little song. It's so and so hot, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Uh, and an old beau of hers, a fellow you might have heard of called Paul Simon. Oh, I know him. Uh, his first solo album, uh, Paul Simon's Songbook, started out with a song that would later become a hit for Simon and Garfunkel, and that's how we think of it. But again, we're going back and pretending that didn't happen yet. Um, it was a f- his first, and of course he wrote it, obviously, I Am a Rock. Now, mm. come on. It's just a super powerful tune. Again, we have an artist who's not a hard rocker to begin with. Uh, doing, uh, you know, so you can't be going for that when you're opening. No. Uh, considering what he ha- what he does and everything, this is uh, this is very strong. Uh, I mean, with lyrics like "I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that have died." If I never loved, I never would have cried. I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant song, you know. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, so yeah, I think that was a good choice on his part. What do you think? Yeah, I think it definitely was a good choice. I like you said, he's not a rocker, but I think it also lets you know what he's about to do. And of course, I do think of it as a Simon and Garfunkel song, but I'm aware that it was a Simon song. Um, previously, I think it's a great way to open up. I mean, absolutely for him. And you know, even if they do have rockers, if if a song that's more mid tempo or even a ballad is going to better represent their sound, then they should start with that. But starting strong is kind of subjective. But the band knows what they're trying to convey, and they know how they want to hit the person who's listening to it. And I think this is a perfect thing to do. Yeah. See, if you open with that, and it's something that people just love, and then you get harder, yes. they feel even better. That's right. You know? They're and, like, oh. And, and of course, he and they rock harder than that. I right. mean, you know, they, they're actually more of a rocking band than we tend to think. I mean, when I heard uh, Hazy Shade of Winter for the first time, I had missed it. I thought it was a Bangles song. Oh, God. I swear. I had missed it somehow. And I've been listening to them my whole life. I missed that. And I thought, wow, great fucking song, ladies. And I listened to the original, and it rocks just as much. It rocks uh, more. I mean, it's acoustic, but it rocks, you know? Yeah, uh, it does. <clears throat> you know, and I don't want to take away from this, but, you know, one of the things that, that one of the bands that we already talked about where people don't like that they rock harder is U2. They want they want U2 to stay in the nice, neat little box the little, you know, kind of very, very heart forward. Um, you know, we're very, very sensitive young men. They want them to stay in the Joshua Tree era. And you know what? They can fucking rock. So I say let people rock. So I hope that people wouldn't maybe listen to Paul Simon, this kind of chill song. And then when it gets a little harder, they go, oh, I'm out. I hope you allow artists to breathe and spread their wings and let them be both soft and hard. I mean, because we all have that in us. I mean, we do ballads, too, even though we're a hard rock band. You know, so I just, I just saying, I mean, let all these people breathe. Let them show you everything they have instead of just saying, I want you to play folk only. You know, I mean, that would be, you'd be, you'd be cutting off your nose to spite your face so you much. Would. I mean, look at, we're, see, we're used to Elton John. We're used to going from right. your song to Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, right. which is one of the hardest songs that ever hit the top 40, you know. And um, uh, it's good when people do that. I mean, I even, think so too. even the Bee Gees do some hard rock tucked away on their albums with lots of guitar solos and shit. I mean, you know, it's great to. I, I never object to artists. Hello, artists of the world. <laughs> <laughs> to all the artists of the world. <laughs> Uh, I, I hear I hear telling you in advance, I don't mind if you go hard. Yeah. That's fine. Go hard, go sob, do you. Just do the full, just let it run the full gambit. Don't let any 
fans or anything, even record companies, whatever, hold you down. Just do you. Do the full Monty. Uh, here I am being, it is. being kind of hypocritical because we're going to be talking about that on another show that Uh-oh. you want to tune into. Oh, wow. About uh, people doing stuff that's not typical of them and oh, uh, it not being received terribly well. Oh. Or maybe it is. I don't know. It's uh, we'll about see. changing. Oh. Anyway, uh, sp- but we're not talking about changing now. We're talking about new stuff. We're talking about brand new albums by brand new acts. Imagine if you were back in the day. And if you're a nerdcore surf punk dance band, also named after a military bomber plane, what the fuck is up with that? Mm. You know? uh, then it just makes sense. Epidemic. Yeah. To have your first <laughs> album start with a sci-fi song about a planet with pink air, red trees, and a headless population. Mm. That just adds up, you know? You know the place I speak of, of course? Planet Claire. Uh, None of us were expecting Fred Schneider at that time, I can tell you that much. And his hysterical vocals and the beautiful harmonies and individual vocals of their two foxy ladies, Kate and Cindy, uh, resplendent in their beehive hairdos. (laughs) (laughs) And once you saw and heard the B-52s, there was no unseeing or unhearing them. And you'd never want to either. I love this group personally, and I think it's a great song to start with. Well, because the whole Shaq shimmies. When everybody's moving, and they do when they hear the B fifty twos. I will. I like that you called them Foxy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if you're gonna call those two ladies hot, Foxy works because of the whole persona that they embodied. It works really well. I it sounds. It sounds like something Fred would say. It does. Yeah, he's, they're very Foxy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's very hey, interesting. Hey, Foxy ladies. <laughs> I remember the first... If you look at it, it's got to be in there somewhere. It has to. The first time I listened to the B-52s, I was put off by him. He's no. definitely Yeah, he's my least favorite part of the B-52s, but if they if he wasn't there, they wouldn't be the B-52s. <laughs> but I just, I just was like, oh, why is that... Dad, what is that guy doing? Shut up. Shut up. Those ladies are singing. Shut up. They're singing. I'm up here with these two foxy ladies. I mean, it's so fresh. It it should be in there. I mean, I've grown accustomed to him. I I would not choose to have a Fred um, on stage with me, but I think he works well for them, and I think that song's a good opening. I do think it's it's uh, it definitely defines their sound to some degree, or at least gives you a good glimpse into what their sound is. I agree. And come on, nobody could take Fred's place uh, on those songs like Love Shack. <laughs> right, I mean, it, it's <laughs> the a, universe depends on it. Nobody you know? needs to have that spot on that song. It would have been okay without it. <laughs> well, it's it's a good song with just the two. Foxy yes. ladies. That's exactly correct. Exactly. Uh, I say he. it's a stroke of luck that he got into that band and they allowed that shit. I'm not going to argue that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it had to be some kind of serendipity. It's exactly. one of those harmonic convergence things. That's because, right. Because uh, it seems unlikely. We're talking Flavor Flav level Seriously, here. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like he had some sexy creative. Oh, yeah, oh, I mean, that's not hot. <laughs> Friends, if you're a la- if you're a lady, Fred's hot. <laughs> All right, in, ni- <laughs> in 1970, you might have dropped a disc onto your player with the downright dull green Warner Brothers label. Really, guys, what's up with that? It was no just imagination. Green. It was the most boring thing I've ever seen. Mercury looked good. Chrysalis was Chrysalis amazing. Come on, fantastic. Even uh, Rhino. Rhino was great. Rhino, a little Rhino going around. Electra. Come on. Come on. And and honestly, my heart goes pitter pat when I see uh, Atlantic. Atlantic. Oh yeah. I love that friggin' label. I just love it. And thank a lot of Motown. A lot of Motown. Yeah. Yes, Motown's a beautiful, beautiful label. Well, if you put this one on, you would have heard a rather gentle thunderstorm and the pealing of a church bell before. <laughs> Three malevolent notes blow you across the room like harbingers of doom. 
Uh, Black Sabbath had arrived on the music scene, uh, and it would never be the same. They they had had enough of hippy dippy peace and love stuff. Uh, never mind the uh, hand gesture singer Ozzy Osbourne is always flashing. And they were bringing something darker and heavier. And their self-titled song from their self-titled album plays the same three notes over and over again until... Uh, you var- want to kill yourself. Yeah, well, at varying levels of intensity. It's a little plotting. It's a little slow. A little. You know? But until the final uh, buzzing, almost militaristic riff uh, plays into the four last notes and the slam-bang finale, uh, consisting of two chords, really, supports guitarist Tony Iommi's shrieking but surprisingly accessible for losers like me guitar solo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then a few more bashes, and you're left kind of blinking. Uh, there's really no stronger way to open. Although... Pleasant surprises are coming up because there's a lot of faster, better stuff. Uh, but uh, it, it's a perhaps a little bit of an ordeal first to subject the audience to. I think they could have done better. It should be on the uh, beginning of side two, perhaps, when they're already hooked. B-side. Yeah. B- no, no. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, guys. Put it on the... Uh, <laughs> darn it. We're going to lose some British uh, listeners here. You know. uh, Aussie's going to tune out, you know. Uh, you know what? I'm okay with we've that. Already had, we've already... We've, unfortunately, we've taken the piss we, out of Aussie a couple uh, we've times. Lo- we've lost Aussie. Aussie and Marilyn Manson don't listen they're anymore. Not listening yeah, they're not anymore. listening anymore. No. Anyway, uh, the uh, debut album was recorded in 12 hours, and that's pretty damn good. Uh, but it's uh, still revered and influential to this day, as it should be, but uh, perhaps rearranged a little bit. I think just re- a little bit. <laughs> Do some rearranging. There are, no. a, there are songs that flow so well together there, but the first one, no. no. Yeah, no. Put The Wizard first, okay? Then, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, it's the, that second, been it's better. the second track anyway. Start with the harmonica. I saw John Tesh playing that with the Dweezil's Apple one night on TV. It was badass. That's unfortunate. He was wearing a strapped-on keyboard. It was yeah, so I'm kind of cool. out. Um, but the problem is, is you know, it's kind of meandering. And the wizard? No, no, no. Oh, Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, okay. I'm yeah, like, this is, yeah. It feels like the endless song, especially if you were hearing it for the first time. Oh no! They got to. You don't want to do that. They got to get you at the right level That's of reset correct. of receptivity. You know, right? But the thing is, the wizard doesn't. It's going to get no, you anyway. It's gonna, yeah, you're, it's going to kick your ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the wizard is like, oh, we don't give a shit. What you? Yeah, doing. we don't give a you're shit. You're going to love this. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, the, you're like the wizard. I'm like, no. I'm t- <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm talking about Black Sabbath. <laughs> I'm defending the wizard. <laughs> hey, do what you got to do. Just don't defend Ozzy to me. <laughs> You know, and despite it's the, indefensible. No, 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 he is good, and and Bruce and no, I, were, Bruce not. and I were discussing this the other day. Well, the, that's the, you're both wrong. The first two albums were good, both wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to say I don't. The albums those. are fine. Yeah, the first two albums. I just are fine. wish he wasn't on them, and no, it would have been better. He's kind of an asset. Uh, little, no, he's not. You know, I mean, he uh, he's not. He's an ass. <laughs> he's not irreplaceable. But he's, he's an, an ass. asset. He he's not irreplaceable. <laughs> he's an ass, and anybody else? No, not anybody else, but. Almost anybody else could have sang, and I would have been happier. Yeah, he's been he's replaceable. He's been actually replaced many times, which is perfect. <laughs> which is Good perfect. idea. So has the lead singer of Australia's Lovely Lads, by reason of death, ACDC. Mm. Uh, they started their first album with. Well, come on, can we be honest? It doesn't really matter what song they start with. They all sound the same. <laughs> they all sound the same. Yeah. Still, it's a classic though, and it's a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll, is an irresistibly breezy track. With a fun video featuring Bo- singer Bon Scott playing bagpipes, and it was even covered by the venerable Pat Boone. That- you cannot throw around the C word so carelessly. The C word? Classic. Oh, classic. I, I, re- do, I refuse I don't to cheapen. allow you to do that. I don't want to cheapen that brilliant word. Yeah, because okay. you said it's a. Cl- I just. It, the C word. I can't. I can't have you. I can't abide by that. I'm going to have to stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a classic. Uh. <laughs> There has to be a word for <laughs> there has to be a word for acceptable songs. Relic, classics. relic. <laughs> and uh, 
Uh, hey, I mean, if they're too much for you, listen to Pat's version. It's very cool. It's on Spotify. Pat I'm, a, I'm okay. Uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all right. I've already heard all of it at least secondhand a few dozen times through you. It, it's a kick to hear him singing about <laughs> the line about getting stoned, though. It's funny. <laughs> getting, getting stoned. You're, uh, if you're ACDC, though, you might as well start with this one. Uh, <laughs> they probably just dropped slips of paper in, uh, with song titles into a bowl and fished one out. Because That's probably. It doesn't matter. Doesn't. Well, our next band, consisting of ex-members of Free and Mop the Hoople, Ooh. pooled their resources, also had a self-titled album. With a self-titled song, but that's not the one that opens Bad Company. That was Can't Get Enough. And I say yeah to that one because it's good old-fashioned rock and roll with a nice dual guitar solo with Mick Rouse and singer Paul Rogers. I kind of think, I mean, they do better, but um, putting a good foot forward, it still sounds great today. And uh, going upward and uh, knocking the audience out, it's not going to put you off. You're going to be wanting to hear more, and then they're going to elevate <coughs> And then they're going to exceed your expectations. So it's a pretty good opening track. I love that one. Agree to disagree. I agree to disagree. Okay. Yeah, I like the song. Oh, yeah. And you not like as, them. As, I know a, you like them. I love them. them. Not yeah. As, yeah, he's my one of my favorite voices ever, but not a strong opening for me. It's okay, but there's open strong. If you're bad company, open super strong. They, Don't open kind of like, eh. I bought a record once. It was supposed to be like all their best shit and everything. Yeah, I buy records. Laugh at me. It's okay. I'll, I'll pause here so you can laugh at me, but I buy records. <laughs> so do <laughs> He <I>. buys <laughs> records. <laughs> I buy records, too. I just selectively buy records. But it, it the song, the track listing was correct, but it wasn't like the original studio versions. It was a live reunion concert. It was brilliant. Mm. These guys were so badass, too. Paul Rogers, uh, Bad Company, terrific group. Mick Amazing. Ralphs. And uh, pretty amazing seeming at the time, the decidedly dangerous-looking Guns N' Roses began their decidedly dangerously titled debut album, Appetite for Destruction, with the decidedly dangerous-sounding Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, what can you say? I think it's one of the best things they could have done, saving Paradise City for later. What do you think about that as a choice? Agree. I agree. I definitely think it's a great choice. And of course, because I love Paradise City so much, my brain says, oh, open with it. But you know what? Welcome to the Jungle definitely i think gets you ready for what's about to come the onslaught because appetite for destruction i'm sorry even if you hate guns and roses it's a brilliant fucking album it's a brilliant album it and just they, is they ain't putting you to sleep with welcome to the jungle no that song and that song there's there's so much like recklessness in that song and then the screaming and then the the danger and there's just all kinds of stuff going on in that song that i think gets you ready for what's about to happen and paradise city opening that album, I think they would have blown their load right there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, Build up to that. That's even more unbelievable. Even more you know? unbelievable. That's just, that song is crazy. And I, I love that you and I agree on that, like how great that song is. Oh, it's it's every note. It's up. It's it's a Everything. white room. It's every single it's note amazing. is perfection. Yep. Absolutely. And I never turn it off. If it comes on, I never turn off Paradise City. Ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's a discussion that might presciently be coming up oh. at another time. Oh, my. You might be being prescient here because... Uh, I do that. Some things get tired and some things don't. Some things get played and maybe we'll be talking about that on a show they should be listening to. Oh, interesting. There was a band, and I know you're familiar with this band, who was named after an involuntary eye spasm you have while <gasps> sleeping. REM. And they began their first uh, record <laughs> <laughs> recording record, the recorded record, murmuring about... Radio Free Europe. Uh, I think uh, Aria uh, made a good call there, too. Uh, they have a very distinctive sound, and that's a good thing to do as a band. If you have a sound that nobody's heard before, lead with it, like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer did. Mm -hmm. Well, I think R.E.M. did, too. 
and yeah. it was a uh, it was a really uh, strong, powerful opening. So good for them. What do you think, as a fan? What do you think? Yeah, I think Radio Free Europe is is a song that is going to really get you ready for REM, kind of what they do. I think it's great. I'm glad they started with that song. R.E.M. is one of those bands that, at the time, didn't sound like anybody else. Uh, that And that's, they, yeah, and they established that right out of the gate. Exactly. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you don't sound like anybody else, and here's what it is. Even though it was it was a pseudo-hit online, it wasn't like a runaway hit, like, let's say, Losing My Religion later, right? It wasn't like that, but it, it let you know. Thank God for AOR radio, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> WPDH Poughkeepsie, I love you forever, you know? <laughs> Exactly. So, no, I think it was a brilliant choice, again, to introduce them themselves as a unique entity. Absolutely. Hell yeah, I would totally agree. <laughs> and then comes the era of techno-creepery. Uh, a certain band began their career on an upward spiral. <laughs> with <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> so subtle. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Very subtle. Oh, Picking man. up on these subtle hints. Uh, thank I, goodness. I know. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm brilliant. I picked it's the most uh, subtle. See, this is the kind of person you want to co-host with. She picks up on subtle hints, and she's really, really easily amused. <laughs> you hear all this laugh? It's like, I'm, I'm not, not sure whether anything. to say fuck you. Or thank <laughs> I'm not you. saying anything funny. I'm incapable of being funny. <laughs> oh my god! Is there something sort of heavy I could throw at you? Uh, oh my god! Well, they began their career on an upward spiral with an exhortation to bow down before the one you serve. Okay, nine inch nails. Come on, head like a hole. I've talked about this on another show, uh, and I said it. I appreciate them. I'm not the biggest fan. But that That's is a, problem. a brilliant kick-ass opening problem. track. I mean, I know how talented Trent Reznor is. It's just I don't want to hear a lot of it for that's some reason. That's too bad. Yeah. But uh, that's a hell of an opening song. It's about as good as it's going to get for them. Uh, and you, what do you think? You apparently agree. I mean, it's a brilliant opening. There's, there's no reason after you hear that song that you shouldn't want to hear more and more and more and more. So that doesn't make sense. But we'll talk about you not making sense later. But yeah, I think it's a, a brilliant way. It's it's a song you don't forget. I mean, if you hear that once, you're going around the rest of the day going, bow down before the one. You're just doing it. Yeah. Head like a hole. It's no, just, it's just, yeah, yeah, I mean, it it's, is. it's just it's, got that, you know, that you, you're not, it's, no, it's you can't earwig. It. Yeah, yeah, it's it an is. earwig. It and is. it's it's poppy, but it's, it's dark and it's hard and it's electronic. It's all the things you want. A great time for it. And Trent Reznor, I mean, seriously, if you haven't listened to his entire catalog, you are missing out. And I'm sorry you don't want to. We'll work on that. It is hard, dark, gothic, and uh, just somehow manages to be that earworm we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's absolutely to combine that with an undeniable hook. Pop sensibility, numerous absolutely, hooks. absolutely, uh, it was brilliant. I got a well I done. Oh, uh, bow down before they want to serve there for a no, minute. You okay. should bow down now. Of course, again, considering that we're talking about only having material from the first album available to lead off, you can't cherry pick from the whole career. That'd be nice. That would. So, considering that, I don't know if it was a great idea for Madonna to start with Lucky Star. I'm out. No. Yeah, bad move. Her music was a little, uh, little. Uh, Oh, geez, I was going to say, what is it? What is Dick's version? Area, area. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Area it was yeah. a little area. About twelve square feet, you know. <laughs> At least about yeah, 12, yeah. 12 square. Yeah. 
All right, her music was a little airier back then, shall we say, but I still think this was uh, not a great move. No. Uh, as soon as the, this agreeable dance track ends, you're treated to the much more substantial borderline. That's, oh, yes. That's, that's much better. That should have been the opening track. Yeah. And all is well. It was the early days of MTV, and she became the queen almost overnight. Yes, absolutely. The album has been credited for setting the standard of dance pop for decades afterward and for pointing the direction for numerous female artists of the 80s. And that's probably true. Oh, I agree. And there is some hellaciously good stuff on it. There is. But she just got better and better. But Borderline should have been the song. Yeah. It should have been. Even first album or not, it's a strong song. It is. It really is. All right. Already established in 1979, a couple years prior to Madonna, another video and radio queen began her first album with a song that was just perfect for folks looking for something to rock out to in the heat of the night. That's a hint there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pat Benatar, another hint, <laughs> subtle hint, Pat Benatar, Heartbreaker. <laughs> Good first impression. I think there is little question about that, or is there? No, there's no. It's a brilliant first impression. She's a hard rocker. She's a badass. She's got, I mean, talk about range. You said Chrissy Hine had range. Uh, songwriting range, actually. Not okay, because you were confusing vocal. me about that, because this lady has nothing but range. She's got range to spare. No one touches her. I mean, Ann Wilson is one of my favorites, but she doesn't sing like that. No. Pat uh, Benatar is in a kind of in a class all of her own. Kind of, She kind of is. And this was a pretty good showcase for her and yes. Neil Giraldo, who would go on to become hubby eventually, yes. and are still together. God yes. bless them. And uh, playing out. And playing out. That's right. All right. So nice, nice eyes. And the granddaddy of all opening songs, oh I my. think. A certain fellow who had been in a duo prior and had even been recruited to sing five songs, no less, uh, on Ted Nugent's second album, pl- replacing the rhythm guitarist and uh, singer, uh, co-lead singer that was uh, having a beef with uh, the Alpha Dog, uh, <laughs> and as well as having been in the Rocky Horror Show, the first solo album by Meatloaf, Written by Jim Steinman begins with the title track, Bat Out of Hell. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is where hands clap over sewer holes uh, mm-hmm. reflexively, if anyone has anything to say. Uh, never mind the finale, which is uh, uh, going out with a whisper, you know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this di- that's a, a case where it just works. It works. This disc unleashes its entire arsenal straight up front. It hits you as hard as it's ever going to. And... Uh, Goes and and ends in a in a poignant whisper. It's it's just an incredible thing, and that first track, all in one first track. I mean, uh, eight minutes of high drama, downright operatic. Producer Todd Rundgren going completely berserk on guitar, and as far as the the song itself, if the road our narrator was hauling along on his silver black phantom bike had anywhere near as many twists and turns. As this magnum opus does, uh, then it's no wonder he ends up dying at the bottom of a, of a pit in the blazing sun. <laughs> That's not a surprise at all, because you can't keep up with this song, you know, in a good way. Though he can certainly be cheesy and angsty, Jim, Stein, Jim Steinman, the composer, hits like a ton of bricks with this masterful tour de force. The album that nobody wanted to make and was rejected by a thousand record companies uh, ended up being one of the biggest selling and longest charting albums of all time. Hitting you like a sledgehammer with two opening chords and ending with a haunting churchy coda with bells and a choir-like female vocal. It's a great way to begin an album and a concert and a career, which he, uh, and a, a, I saw him doing it in concert that way. And I think this one is kind of bulletproof and you seem to have indicated you agree. I definitely agree because I think that first track is Can You Handle What's About to Come? 
And if you can't handle this track, you can't handle the rest of this album. So just get the fuck out now. Yeah, I mean, it's never going to be that wild. It's but not. It's, uh, but you know what? It gives you enough reason to invest, that's for sure. It's a, it's, it's a roller coaster in the best way. I mean, if you're going to go, they just kind of go balls out. And if you're in for that ride, then just keep going. It's not going to be that crazy, but you're going to experience different levels of crazy the entire time. So if you're on board with that, you can hang. So I think it's a brilliant way to start an album. Of course, just I don't think it's good for every band to start that way. But I think when you are meatloaf and you're doing something as unconventional as that, fuck yeah, hit him over the head. Hit him hard. Hit him hard. Do it. Well, that was the end of WXPN's list, uh, minus a few judicial cuts. Believe it or not, that wasn't the exhaustive list of all time. As long as it was, Christina's rolling her eyes like, really? It was a lot, it yeah. It seemed like a lot. Well, yes, I mean, but you might get this in two installments, I don't know. But it's hard to pare down all of those. There's a lot. I don't think there was any. Uh, there were any duds. A couple of duds, like ones like what? You know, eh, not anymore. I, that can easily go. Yeah. But um, there were a couple. The reason I noticed myself... Uh, realizing when thinking of acts that might have been on there and notable first album tracks to me and even groups who are still uh, operating today from all those years ago uh, they there are songs that really aren't that well known you know they might have gotten some radio play and but they weren't exactly hits and so they just wouldn't have ended up on a list like that this but I think Aerosmith totally killed it with make it as a good album opener and an, a concert opener and Blondie probably fired half their guns on their first album, their first uh, tune, X Offender. And they called it such because rather than using the idea and the lyric from the actual song, Sex Offender, because they were afraid for perhaps being snubbed by the programmers. So they called it X, not as in former, but the letter X, Offender. To the extent of my ability to understand what songs are even about, it appears to be a kind of a, a quirky, fun little tune about a prostitute developing a serious crush and infatuation on the police officer who's arresting her. And uh, she uh, longs for the day when she'll get out and actually get into an actual experience with the uh, handsome lawman. So it's a kind of an amusing song. I don't know if you know it or not, but mostly I, didn't, I couldn't think of any because they covered an awful lot. Do you have any? I only have one uh, that I thought was obviously, it's, you know, I it's might have judiciously cut them, actually. No, I don't think you did. No, yeah. I don't think you did. This uh, this one is very much like uh, the Black Sabbath, where it's the title track um, off the album of the same name. Oh. But it's not, that's not the name of the bands, but it's George Michael's Faith, and the first song is Faith, um, first track. And I think, you know, this was his, his first solo album, mm. and I think that you would have to have hit hard like that. He did have I Want Your Sex on it, but it is the title track of the album of the same name. I Want Your Sex was not as popular, but it was controversial, so it could have been interesting. But I think Faith was a good, solid opening. He could have opened with Monkey, because Monkey was a huge hit. But Faith, I mean, it was brilliant. Yeah, I happened to cross Faith playing in some setting recently, and I was, I was, oh, yeah, I was digging, and I was moving. I was starting to move, you know, yeah. to the song. It's a good rocking opener. He'll save the real uh, heart-rending stuff for later on. It's a great, strong, fun uh, opening track and it unleashes his talent on you from uh, outright in his first solo album. Good choice, yes. Absolutely. Uh, so that was the only one that I had to offer that came to my mind. I was thinking, oh, that was a really great first opening. So that's all. But that was a really interesting winging it. I think you should do more winging it. It takes, uh, well, I mean, it was really their idea. I'm just uh, babbled and. Uh, 
I just prattled incoherently about their idea about first albums, first songs, because I, I have, it's something I had thought about before. And then when I saw there was an actual list to do a lot of the legwork for me, I thought, I'll make a winging out of, out of that and act real magnanimous and stuff, like I'm shouldering some of the load, you know. Yes, and uh, you can shoulder more of the load. They're looking forward to hearing that, shouldering. I, I think I'm good, actually. Yeah, uh, no, it's okay. No, no. Okay. Well, I guess that brings us to the end, and uh, that only leaves for you to say... Let's fly this coop. This has been Birds of a Feather on What the Flock Radio.